0: Okay, great. So we just stream for people online. We have a few people that connect with us that way. So hello to anybody who is joining us online. Um, If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Amanda and I'm one of the pastors here at Public Church and we're just transitioning actually from a time around the table. We've eaten together, we've been in the Word together and now um, I'm just going to share uh, what the Lord has placed on my heart for us this week. And then we'll sing a couple of songs later on to to finish up our time of worship. If you're in Boston and joining us online, we'd love to have you come in person. We'd love to meet you. And uh, yeah, we're just excited about all that God's doing in our community. And um, yeah, we would love to see more and more people say yes to relationship with Jesus and just get connected. And Discipleship is so important to us. It's the core of everything that we're doing here. Um, and of course, we can disciple through sermons and online, but you know, nothing beats one-on-one or you know, small group discipleship. So that's always our goal is to meet people and get connected in and help one another follow Jesus. Because in our world, it's not easy. I always say Christianity is simple, but we're the ones who complicate it, <laughs> right? Like, we bring our stuff into this relationship and, and can make it hard when it really isn't. Um, but I was thinking this week about my salvation, my the time that I first said yes to relationship with Jesus. Um, I was working at Toys R Us at the time, and my friend Katie had rededicated her life quite recently to God. And I had known there was a God. I believed there was a God. But I didn't realize I could have relationship with God. So we were sitting in the break room one day, and she said, Amanda, do you believe that Jesus is Lord? Or I don't know exactly how she said it, but it was something like that. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, that's what I've been taught, you know, all my life. And she said, well, do you believe he died for your sins? And I was like, yeah, I do believe that. And she said, well, then don't you think you should live your life for him? And I was like, I guess so. Like if A plus B equals C, then sure, you know. So um, we just talked about it a little bit more. She prayed for me. Right next door at the time was a bookstore. So I went next door, I bought my first Bible, which was a study Bible, because I knew I could not understand God's word on my own. I needed some help and just started reading God's word. But when I was thinking about why I became a Christian, the answer was because I thought I should live my life for the one who died for me. And so I started reading the Bible. I started attending church and heard a lot about behavior change. And so I don't know if it was necessarily always taught, but I definitely caught this idea that Christians don't sin. Christians don't sin. And like this was just the thing that got like embedded into my mind. So when I was thinking about my original motivation for following Jesus, it was because I should live my life for him, for the one who died for me. But eventually my motivation in my relationship with the Lord was do not sin. That was my focus. That was the reason I connected with him. That was the reason I read my Bible every day was because I did not want to sin. So somewhere along the way, I started following Jesus for that purpose not because i wanted to live for him but because i wanted to stop sinning so is that completely wrong no right as followers of jesus the holy spirit comes into our life and he transforms us he changes us so the person who amanda was before i said yes to relationship with god that girl died that girl is no longer because I've been reborn. I've been born again in the Lord. So it's not that I shouldn't be different or that things should change, but I was missing out on so much more because I had become, like, my relationship with God had become such a narrow view of do not sin. So this week, when I was doing sermon prep, I wanted to hear from the community, so I threw out the question, why did you become a Christian? And this was some of the responses. The first one was to get into heaven. The next one was, I was raised in a Christian home, so I became a Christian. The next one was to be a worker of the harvest, which I thought was pretty cool. To live a different life, all that I knew and the example that was given to me. And then one other person said, grew up in a Christian home. That was why they were a Christian or why they became at least a Christian. So we're going to look at God's Word, and eventually, hopefully, all of that will make sense as we dig into God's Word today. So we're going to be looking at Jeremiah 24, verses 4-7. to So those are the ones that I'm going to be focusing on. And just as everybody's turning to that in their Bible or people online, if you want to grab your Bibles or phones and and get on the Bible app, we're going to be in Jeremiah 24, 4-7. So as you're doing that, I'm just going to pray quickly. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and active. Lord, that it reveals who we are, who you are, and what your expectations are for your people. God, as we look at your word today, I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd be with us, that you would give us ears to hear what you have to say, and that you would also give us hearts to be obedient and to do what you're asking us to do based off of what your word speaks to us today. Please be here and be with us. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, so Jeremiah 24, verse 4 to 7. Travis, (laughs) thank you. Um, So it'll be up on the screen too. So it says, this is The word of the Lord came to me. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Like these good figs, so I regard as good the exiles from Judah I sent away from this place to the land of the Chaldeans. I will keep my eyes on them for their good and I will return them to this land. I will rebuild them up and not demolish them. I will plant them and not uproot them. I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God because they will return to me with their whole hearts. So we're seeing two groups of people that um, Jeremiah is referencing, or the Lord is referencing through Jeremiah. And one is um, exiled to Babylon and the Chaldean area. And then there was those who would stay in Jerusalem. So actually Haven uh, referenced this a little bit in our, our Bible study time, which I love how the Lord speaks. And it sounds like exile is the worst thing, but this group is actually the ones that God's going to redeem, right? Like we were talking about earlier, and he has a purpose for them. He's going to give them a new heart. They're going to give them a heart to know him and that he will be their God and they will be his people and that they will be able to do this and return to him with their whole heart. And really like, isn't this the story of God's word? Like from day one, he's been trying to get his people to love him with their whole heart. And there's just been sin and and things getting in the way, um, their selfishness, them worshiping other gods that has prevented them from worshiping God with their whole heart. So this was in the past. So how about the present? What Like this is the old covenant. We talk about that quite a lot because we've been in the Old Testament for a long time. So. God has has um, been working to redeem his people. He started with the old covenant, but we are people of the new covenant. We are New Testament believers. So what does it mean for us in the present? So we're going to look at Hebrews 8, 10 and 13. And it says for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people and then verse 13 says by saying he has declared that they that the first is obsolete and what is obsolete and growing old is about to pass away so you can see up here when he when he looks at the pass away and you come over here the sense behind that in the Greek actually means a destruction event. So there is an event that's going to happen that is going to cause the old covenant the old law to pass away to become obsolete so just like the answer would be in sunday school what do you think that destruction event was i'm sorry the floods well yeah that was a destruction event god definitely used that Um, to bring attention to the people that they were not living the way that he wanted them to. But actually, in this destruction event that I'm thinking of, God was the one who took the punishment. That's a hint. What do you think the destruction event is that's going to pass away the old covenant? Bring it obsolete. Jesus on the cross, that's right. So we often think of the cross as what God did, you know, to... He tore the veil in two in the holies of holy place in the temple. He made a way for God's people to come in. But like the event of Jesus on the cross destroyed the power of sin and death. It made it obsolete because no longer are we going to die. Like we're going to physically die one day, but we will be resurrected, right? Just as Jesus was resurrected from the grave, we are resurrected people. And so through this destruction event of Jesus on the cross, his word tells us that he fulfilled the law, right? So we see, we talked about this the last time we were together, that actually as believers, God does not punish us anymore because he put that punishment on Christ, right? So the last time we were together, it talked about how he was going to exile his people to Judah and that they needed to be punished because of their sin, But the thing is, as people in the new covenant, people that are living their lives in Christ, we are not punished anymore because of our sin. You know, we did talk about actions having consequences, and and we talked about how some of those consequences are good, right? So if we sow a good thing, we reap a good thing. But if we sow a bad thing, we reap a bad thing. That's just natural because that's how God created his world. But we're no longer punished because of our sin, which is just a really beautiful thing. And we're going to look at Revelation 21. And it says, Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his people's and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more grief. Crying and pain will be no more, because the previous things have passed away. So what has kind of been the theme of these three verses? Anybody hear like a repeating phrase? Pass away, away, yep, yep. Anything else? The phrase is, he will be their God, or he says, I will be their God, and they will be my people. So both Hebrews and Revelation talk about the law passing away, but there's a reason for it. But what's interesting, like when we look at Hebrews and Revelation, is that the kingdom of God is here, it is present, we pray, you know, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, we were taught to pray that way by Jesus in his word, but the, the reality of the kingdom of God is that it's here, but it's like not yet here. you know, do you, you know, do you feel that tension? Like, you know, you see glimpses and you're like, whew, like that's the kingdom of God. But then you see other things and you're like, ugh, that is not of the kingdom of God. And I remember actually when Haven moved here, I was like, there is more of the kingdom of God here because Haven is now in Boston, right? And as more and more people say yes to relationship with Jesus, the kingdom of God expands in the sense that there is now more people here that want God to be their God and we want to be his people. Like we're making that declaration. And from Jeremiah, Hebrews and Revelation, that's the consistent thing, right? God's trying to tell us something. If this is in the old covenant and is also still being mentioned in the new covenant, this is still very important to God that he is our God and we will be his people. But as we know, sin's gotten in the way, and we know about sin because of the law. So we're going to read Romans 7, 7 here, and it says, what should we say then? Is the law sin? Absolutely not. But I would not have known sin if it were not for the law. For example, I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had said, do not covet. So we're actually going to go back a verse and look at Romans 7, 6. And it says, but now we have been released from the law, since we have died to what held us, so that we may serve in the newness of the spirit, and not in the old letter of the law. So the thing is, relationship with God has never been about sinning less, right? In any of those statements, did God say, I will be your God so that you will sin less, <laughs> right? No, it said, you will be, I will be your God, you will be my people. Sin has gotten in the way of us serving him, right? Amen. Like when we are inward focused and selfish and only looking out for number one, we're not thinking about serving anybody else, let alone God, right? The word tells us that in our sin, we are enemies of God. We hate him (laughs) when we do not have his grace in our life. We want nothing to do with God. But we have died to sin so that we can serve in the spirit, right? Did you catch that? So to serve actually means to be dominated by. Isn't that interesting? Like we hear sin and we think, oh, I serve my neighbor. I do this. I do that. I love. And that is a huge part of us living in relationship with God. But we are dead to sin so that we can be dominated by the Holy Spirit. Right. The Holy Spirit wants to come into our life and basically like mess everything up, (laughs) but mess it up in a good way. Right. Like he wants all of us. He wants to dominate us. But the beauty is like he's not a bad slave master. Right. Like when he wants to dominate us and work in our lives, he does that so that we may flourish. Right. So that we may have newness in the spirit. Right. Oh, Travis, where did our, our scriptures go? There we go. Did I highlight newness? I didn't, but it means new. <laughs> yeah. You know, and we can't be new if we're exactly like we used to be. And the scripture is very clear that we have to die to sin in order to be new, right? So I was saying earlier, you know, when I first became a Christian, it was because I felt like I should live for the one who died for me. And, and as I kind of journeyed a little bit, it became do not sin, do not sin. And that was part of the gospel, right? Like that's part of the good news of Christ is that he has died and defeated the power of death, hell, sin in the grave, right? Like we are meant to be new, flourishing people in him. But that was only a part of the gospel because I forgot about the serving, the, the living for him. Right? Because I was just so focused on the dying part. (laughs) Right? Like I was just so focused, die to myself, die to myself, die to myself. But I forgot, like, okay, but this is so I can live in Him. I can live in the newness of the Spirit. So we die to sin so that we can serve in the Spirit, and we serve empowered by the Spirit, right? We're not supposed to do this on our own. And when we're serving in the Spirit, it makes the things that we do for God. Not a burden, right, but a joy, right? So if we're serving God and our mindset is like the Israelites, like this is a burden, (laughs) like I'm not liking this, then we're not doing it in the fullness of the spirit. And it could be because we still have not completely died to sin. We, I mean, we were talking about this as a part of the Bible study. There will still be acts of sin in our life. I feel like we talk about this, like, almost every time we gather. Um, But the power of the Spirit in our life is that he does empower us to say no to sin. That when a temptation comes, we can say no. And if we are caught up in sin, like a regular kind of intentional sin, but yet we're over here trying to serve God, like, we're, it's like a, it's like, dichotomy? Is that the right word? Like, we're trying to live in two worlds almost, right? Like, we're trying to be over here and do the things that would not be part of our relationship and our new life. And then we're over here trying to do the things that would be part of our new life, but they're, like, not compatible, right? It's like battling against each other. And for me at that time, like, I felt guilty of of reducing my relationship with God to sin management. And what it did for me, it produced self-righteousness within me. And so I was okay serving because... I was great <laughs> you know. I was dead to sin I was dead to sin I was dead to sin so I was great you know and but I lost focus on the important things so like it again it kind of gave me this really narrow focus of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus so I have a couple of questions that I'm gonna throw out there and I'm gonna give you a minute just to process And um, if you want to share with somebody at your table, like how you're feeling or thinking or whatever, feel free to. But this can definitely be just more of an introspective process. But are you serving empowered by the spirit? And how is it going? Okay, That's one of the questions. We claim Christianity, but we're not serving. I want you to talk to me. And I want to help you discover how God created you to serve him. Or are you serving but haven't died to sin yet? Does serving him feel like a burden? All right, so those are my questions. I'll say them one more time. Are you serving empowered by the Spirit? How is it going? Have you claimed Christianity but not serving? Talk to me. Or are you serving but haven't died to sin yet and does serving him feel like a burden? So I'm gonna be quiet and give you a minute to process. Lord, I thank you so much for the work that you're doing here, how you're encouraging and loving and even correcting, but God, you're a good father, and we know that nobody likes discipline at the time, your word even reiterates that, (laughs) but we know that if we heed your discipline, if we listen and obey, that... um, at one point, it'll make sense. But God, I pray for the things that may not really make sense right now, um, or just things we straight up don't want to do. God, would we submit those things to you? And God, would you give us a desire for the good things? God, through your grace, would you increase our desire for you, first and foremost, and then just trust God that This word told us that you would write the law on our hearts. God, that you would put them in our mind. And the mind, the Greek there means our conscience, our gut. God, as we say yes to you, we can trust our conscience more. It will start speaking life to us. And so, God, um, would you continue to work that out within us? And, Lord, there's grace and mercy for when we do mess up. And we thank you for that. Because you're not asking us to be perfect. You're not asking us to, you know, turn into little robots that just do everything that, that you direct. And God, I'm thankful for free will. God, I'm thankful that we get to choose to say yes to you. Even after we have said yes to you for salvation, every day is just another opportunity to say yes to you. And so, God, may we collectively give our, our yes to you. And again, when we want to say no, (laughs) would you help us with your grace? Um, Continue to grow the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And God, may we, when we are out in our neighborhoods, when we are interacting with people, God, may they know that there's something different about us because of the way that you love us and the way that we then express that love to the people around us. We love you. We're here for you. Um, We're willing. So use us, please. Help us to serve in the newness of the Spirit. And we pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Haven and Evan are going to come up and lead us now. jesus go haven and evan (laughs) all right so i'm just going to send us off with our benediction that's in second corinthians it should be up on the screen right trav uh oh i think i'm getting old so we're going to start in verse 15 yeah okay perfect okay i can't see that sorry and he died for all so that those who love who live should no longer live for themselves but for the one who died for them and was raised. From now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. See, it's not just about sin management, you know. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God.